Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. It's your boy, Mac. Joining me today is my good friend, Spencer Davies of Cavs Insider. What's going on, Spencer? How you doing, my guy? I'm doing all right, man. It's crazy that the uh, <laughs> next season's already kicking off tomorrow night against the Nets in Brooklyn. It, it feels like just yesterday when I was just hopping on here for the first time with you, man. So it's it's kind of uh, weird how time flies and the summer's already gone, but I'm ready to go. This season, this offseason rather, has kind of flown by. And I know like it doesn't feel like that when you're in the moment you're experiencing and you're waiting on some of these acquisitions and, and free agents to be signed and trades to be done. Um, so I'm glad that we're finally at this point where, you know, Cavs basketball is literally just right around the corner. Cavs get a very good opponent in the Brooklyn Nets tomorrow. But man, I'm you're around the team a lot. <laughs> just soaking up the practice uh you know media availability do you get the sense that this team is ready to hit the ground running to start the 2023-24 season i think just by the way that they've been talking about it yes i don't know if it's going to look perfect off off the bat here in the offensive end there's a lot of changes mac there's a lot of changes uh you got a guy like max Struess coming into the fold he's a brand new starter uh, you bring in a guy like George Niang. Ty Jerome's going to play a big role off the bench. And then you bring back Tristan Thompson uh, to help inside the locker room. Um, so there's some new pieces as a part of this team this year. And they want to integrate them in the right way. The, I think for the Cavs, the, the big thing is going to be how do we find each other's spots, right? How do we look at each other and know where each other's going to be? So that's, I think, the the first thing I'm going to be on the lookout for early in the season. Um, but they are going to play faster. Stylistically, philosophically, they're changing it up, man. Uh, J.B. Bickerstaff even went as far as to say they want to cross half court within three real seconds, uh, which is, it seems like a very little amount of time. <laughs> uh, but they're going to rebound and go. They're going to try to get turnovers and push. They're going to try to push out of the inbounds. Um, and then when they get in the half court sets, you're going to have Max Struess running all around the place and drawing attention. Right. And that's going to open things up for for Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. But Evan Mobley as well, who's going to be used as a playmaker, uh, whether it's in the hub in the mid post or if it's on dribble handoffs with Struess, uh, like like what Bam Adebayo did in Miami. So a lot of different things to look out for uh, with this Cavs team early on. Uh, one of the things that I've that I've always kind of been interested in is, you know, because in, in certain sports in preseason, especially in the NFL, teams are kind of vanilla with what they're throwing at you, especially <laughs> from an offensive standpoint. Um, do you think what we saw in preseason, some of the concepts there will carry over to the regular season? Like, I know we didn't have our full outfit. Obviously, Jared Allen's not out there. Um, do you think we can expect that pace really because man they they were they were as you said running and gunning out there do you think we can expect that to start the regular season i actually do uh i think what the preseason allowed the Cavs to do was to see evan mobley at the five a lot uh which you can use him in those lineups now right surround him with four shooters while jared allen's getting a break you're still going to see jared allen and evan mobley on the floor together and that's not going to change but there are Definitely differences of when Mobley's out there at the five and when Jared Allen's out there at the five defensively and also on the offensive end, just from a spacing perspective. Right. So uh, but but I think the preseason did allow them to do that. I do think that the pace is going to be up. I think they're going to be getting up between 45, 53 a game. Um, That's just (laughs) the way that that their personnel is dictating them going to play now. Right. So you have Struess, who's a career 37 percent three point shooter. You have 
George Niang, who's a 40% three-point shooter over his career. Uh, Ty Jerome's had his moments, right? Um, we know what Darius Garland and, and Donovan Mitchell can do when they can just pull up from three. Um, and there's going to be a lot of stress on defenses, and they're going to have to make a lot of decisions when these guys are moving around and, and the ball's zipping around, uh, as, as JB like to put it. So offensively, it seems to be the big focus of, of what's changing this year. And on defense, they're going to still be really good. But I think that the team knows they're going to take a little step back on that end because they're going to play faster. And when you have more possessions, there's more chances for the def- for the uh, opposing team to score on you. So that's just, again, a stylistic, philosophical change they're going with this year. But I'm kind of really curious to see how it unfolds because they do have some different personnel now. Yeah, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't do some of these things last year. It's one thing to get out there and run, but you didn't necessarily have the guys, especially off the bench, to to play that way, right? Because you can't, you couldn't necessarily expect a ton of guys off the bench to knock down those perimeter shots last season. This season coming in, there's a lot of different lineup sets and rotations that JB will have his disposal. So I'm very, very excited to see what they can bring to the table. Um, I'm also kind of uh, curious to see what Max Struess looks like from a defensive standpoint in this defense, because obviously the one thing that we knew that we needed, or not necessarily the one thing, the biggest thing that we knew we needed out of that three spot was the consistent threat to knock down the three ball. So the Cavs, in effect, are leveraging the defense that you know Isaac Okoro had brought to the table in that starting unit last season for the spacing that Max is providing and you know i'm not gonna go out here and say max is some bum on the defensive end because obviously he played for the miami he started in the finals you know he he, i think he's taken a lot of slack on that well not a a lot of uh, a lot of heat on that end rather so i'm very curious to see what he looks like alongside the rest of, of this full starting five jared allen included uh but specifically with jared on based off of what you've heard and what you've seen, what are the chances of Jared Allen actually suiting up in tomorrow's game against the Brooklyn Nets? Do you get the feeling that they're just playing it cautiously with him? I do think they're playing it cautiously with him, but again, JP Bickerstaff with his ambiguity, he loves to play <laughs> around with us, right? I literally asked him, I just go, so did Jay practice today? He goes, Oh no, that's a good question. So he's playing it coy. Uh, I think it's also a little bit of gamesmanship so that Brooklyn doesn't know what to expect. Maybe. Uh, and I'm sure the Nets are preparing for both scenarios, but with J.A. specifically, I think if he doesn't if he doesn't suit up tomorrow, then you might not see him until next week because the Cavs want to see Allen go through a full practice before he gets into a game setting. And what this three games and four nights is going to do is not allow the Cavs to have practice. So uh, I think if he doesn't go on Wednesday night, then you might not see him go until uh, next week at the very least. So uh, I'm not sure, but I will say Alan has been working out um, post-practice a lot, Uh, very light stuff, you know, just some hook shots here and there today. He was working out with, with Broxy and with Luke Walton uh, just on some stuff on the block, you know, passes back door. He he had a couple of, of um, you know passes he took in the pocket where he would go inside a little bit harder than we're used to seeing. So it looks like there's progression, and I think that's the biggest thing. But again, JB didn't rule out that he wouldn't be out for multiple games. So it, it's really hard to tell whether or not he's good to go tomorrow and uh, when he'll be back uh, specifically. But 
again, there's there's some ambiguity there. Yeah, good old JB. <laughs> I can't blame <laughs> him. I mean, you kind of want to keep the the opposition on their toes. And to be honest with you, Spencer, I feel in a much better place this season than I did last season with our big depth. Um, I know Damian Jones is not some proven commodity out there. He's kind of bounced around a bit himself, but he still offers you more than uh, Robin Lopez did. Uh, nothing against Robin, but I just feel like Damian offers you a little bit more in spot minutes. And then you look at Tristan Thompson, bringing him back, uh, couldn't do much better as a, uh, 14th man, right. Uh, acquiring him, uh, and bringing him back to the land. So I feel a lot better about it, but obviously the key factor here, if you have to go that route and Jared misses some time, Evan Mobley, uh, is your guy at the five. And we got kind of a, a glimpse of what that could be could uh, possibly look like and maybe hinting at the Cavs future uh, manning him at the five but how how much of that do you say that you feel comfortable with did, did Evan Mobley do enough in the preseason at the five to to warrant a real look there uh, for the future I think that that's kind of a, an incomplete if you will uh, I think that Evan has a ton of potential on the offensive end you just see the the vision Right. The IQ, um, knowing when to attack and when to give it up on a handoff or, um, you know, catching it in the short roll, whatever it may be. Uh, I think that Evan has a really good sense of finding mismatches. So if there's a switch that that really looks appealing to him, he's going to go back them down. Uh, I think he's also used his shoulder, um, lowered that shoulder, and used some of that extra seven pounds that he gained over the summer. <laughs> I was just uh, to say, added muscle, say, right? Seven pounds doesn't sound like a lot, but if he does that every year, then yeah, he's going to end end up having a little bit more uh, strength to him. But he does; he looks bigger. I think th- he's got to get better with his ball handling yet, and I think that's going to be a, a point of emphasis this year, uh, especially if he's going to be bringing the ball up in, in certain times, right? Um, you know, finding ways to work with Donovan and Darius Garland um, with Struess as that threat, right, in the uh, perimeter. So uh, it, again, goes back to the the new guys and how he plays around them. But I think, I think Evan's got all the potential in the world to execute on the offensive end in multiple ways, not just – not just what you see in the box score, right? Like right. he's going to get the ball as a hub. He can have you can you can almost compare it to like a read option in football, right? Like he can hand it off, he can fake the handoff. Uh, like once that starts working, uh, he can find guys back door as a hub. He can turn around, face up game is another part uh, that he's worked on big time this offseason. Just that face up, uh, you know, uh, mid range shot. Um, even the turnaround fader uh, from like ten to twelve feet, we saw a lot of those attempts in the preseason. So. There's a lot to be unlocked with Evan Mobley yet. And it is on JB Bickerstaff and the coach staff to do it. But let's not get out of this, you know, crazy scenario <laughs> where he's scoring, you know, 20 to 22 a night in year three. Like it's going to be a progression, right? You can't have four or five guys averaging 20 points on one team. It just doesn't happen. But can he do that? Does he have the potential to have those kind of nights? Yes. 
that's kind of right where I'm at with him. You know, had the Cavs not acquired Donovan Mitchell, he probably would have already been like a 20 and 10 guy. Uh, and, you know, there's nothing against being the third guy, you know, putting up an efficient 18, 19 points. And I think that's kind of the direction that he's trending towards because the, the offense, if you run at a faster pace, you have to think everybody's going to get a few more touches. You added Max Struess, who's going to give you probably like seven, eight threes a game. Uh, at least attempt-wise, and you just never quite know how Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell are going to play off of one another this season because, frankly, one of the things that I'm really hoping that that finally occurs is that those two can figure it out in the same game more often because far too often last season it just appeared to be, hey, this is my game, I'm going to take over. Uh, you know, the, the other would kind of flip-flop with him, and we actually saw that in – this preseason earlier on, I think Darius Garland um, kind of struggled out of the gate in first preseason game. And then uh, Donovan Mitchell had kind of a stinker in the preseason as well. But, you know, there's not too much you can take away from that. These guys are just trying to figure some things out. But I'm just hoping that we see more cohesiveness in the backcourt. Outside of that, we did see a glimpse of some of what these new additions can bring. Struess, Niang with their spacing. That was phenomenal to see. Uh, Ty Jerome, and to a lesser extent, again, Damian Jones. We all got to see what they can bring to the table at certain degrees uh, in the preseason. And while we did get to see what Evan Mobley can look like at the five, we don't quite know what it's all going to look like once Jared Allen is out there with him. Do you think that the spacing that Struess provides is going to be enough to kind of offset the uh, – the, the, the non-spacing that Jared and Evan provide, do you think that is going to be enough to offset uh, everything once it all gels? I think it'll still be a little bit more bunched up, but I don't think it's going to be as cramped as it was last year. Okay. And I think what JB has said in the past about Jared Allen is that he's a vertical spacer. Okay. That's the way that he would always create room would be <laughs> using his screens, you know, being able to, to create separation by by setting good picks and um, getting out of position, going to the dunker spot, right? Like those are ways that you can get him involved and also not get too far into the way of Donovan or Darius on the drive or Karis, whoever it may be, uh, who's knifing into the paint. There are ways to make that work. And I think that Evan is going to be able to space a little bit more. He's not going to be, a, I'm shooting four to five threes a game guy. But if he just has just a hint, a hint of gravity, then you're going to be in an okay place. Uh, but I, I don't, I, I am curious to see how the team toggles between J.A. and Evan being in the game at the same time and then Evan being at the five, uh, because that's just two separate, you know, kind of attacks, right? It's different. And I asked Karis about that actually yesterday, and he's like, you just got to kind of figure out how to do it. Um, th- it's good that we got reps with Evan in the, at the five and in, in preseason. And then, you know, you can just kind of go back, uh, to, you know, what you're used to with Jay in the middle before, but Jay has also got to get used to the new gay, new guys now. So like, that's, that's tough. Uh, that's the only thing I feel like bringing Jared back is going to be a little different because he's not going to be used to having Max Struess. He's not going to be used to having George Niang, Ty Jerome, if they're in the same lineups together. So that's going to be, I think, the biggest challenge for Jarrett coming back and the conditioning aspect, obviously. Yeah. You can try all you want in practice. You could get and run up all the sprints and all the, you know, the drills you want, but nothing compares to game speed. Um, <laughs> but 
I think those will be the biggest challenges for Jarrett. And then stylistically, yeah, it's different than than what they've been running in preseason. But it'll it'll work. It's just going to take a little bit of time to integrate those new pieces in with what is already there with the core. Fair enough. All right. Now, I want you to take your journalist hat off for a second and put your Fagan cap on. Are you at all concerned if Jared actually does miss the first couple of games? Are you concerned at all about what that potentially does to the defense and the rebounding? Uh, I'm not concerned. I mean, I, f- I feel like we already see it coming. We know that the the rim protection factor is going to be a little less than what it was last year, which was elite. Um, I, I, I don't show concern in early October or early in, or uh, late October <laughs> and early November. I'm just not that kind of guy. I wasn't that guy. I wasn't that guy as a fan either. I'm, I'm very, I'm a very centered and never get too high, never get too low type of person. Okay. Uh, but but real talk, I mean, I, I think they're going to have to adjust in different ways uh, to protect the paint. Um, Evan Mobley, as we know, is great in recovery. He's not, you know, as as strong as Jarrett Allen is, right? Uh, but he does have his defensive qualities about him. He was third in the Defensive Player of the Year voting last year. So I think we know he's really good, um, especially roaming and, and switching, whatever it is. Uh, but as that that paint anchor, it is a different role for him. So, um, and, and you have again the the new pieces trying to to do their best on the perimeter and not get beat too often. But um, yeah, we know the defense is is not going to ha- have as good of a start as last season. It's not going to be as good as last season, even when Jared is back, uh, because they're going to be again playing faster. They're going to be getting up and down the floor, meaning more possessions for the other team, which in turn will equal more points. But I think. Getting after it on offense, running in transition, speeding the game up for them, um, speeding the game up at a good pace, not bing, 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 you know, like they're doing that um, is is smart. And you have the personnel to do it now. So um, I think sacrificing a little bit on that end can really pay dividends when you have the right personnel in place. And I think they do. Hey, the best defense is a good offense, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, especially yeah. in today's pace in space game. And you have the weapons to do that. And I'm very curious to see how they kind of circumvent that if he does miss some time. But I do feel pretty confident, especially considering the lineup of opponents that we have over the first week or so. Uh, but I want to shift gears here for a second because, Spencer, the entire Cleveland fan base, myself included, seems to be all in on Amani Bates. But they're sp- Blitz on just how much time he should see with the Cavs this season. I've seen it all over the place. And I get it. The dude put up 10.5 points per game in preseason and shot 45.5% from three-point range. Uh, I believe he knocked down 10 of 22 uh, total attempts from beyond the arc. And he did that in a multitude of ways. And we obviously know this kid can shoot the the, the freaking twine off the net. Uh, but I, I just want to know from your from your perspective. Where are you at on Amani? Do you feel like he needs to marinate a little bit with the charge before we go full steam ahead? And Because, uh, you know, people are already clamoring for this dude to be in the, the back end of the rotation. No, and, and I get it. I mean, when you look at the presence that he had on the floor, just knowing and, and feeling like he belongs already at just 19, that's enticing. It's really mm-hmm. enticing. And I'm sure it, it's also something for him that's just like, you know what? I'm I'm meant to <laughs> I be do here, belong right? here. Yeah. I'm meant to be here. And I, I think in his heart of hearts, he knew that. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, you go through some stuff in college that wasn't exactly, you know, what you'd planned, but I mean, you're here now, that's all in the past. You've got your, your two way deal um, and you're in a good frame of mind and you're in a terrific environment to, to kind of nurture you in a way. Right. So for me, I think, I think Amani should should play where he's getting the most reps, right? I think that's the biggest thing for me is to make sure he gets the most reps, get comfortable um, in this environment a little bit more. I mean, I know that we're a society that we love microwave, right? We love now, now, <laughs> now. Give it to me now. Um, but there there is going to be adversity along the way, and you're going to want to see how he responds to adversity. Maybe he doesn't go 10 of 22 in the G League to start, right? Like that, like those things happen, and that's okay. That's a part of growth. That's a part of the growth as a pro. But for me, I just loved to see the the passion that he played with, uh, the moments that he took took grasp of and was not afraid to be in. Um, I love the de- defensive activity, just getting his hands, a uh, couple of deflections, a, a few blocks, um, got some steals here and there, um, making the, the right next pass. He had a couple of nice, really, really nice plays um, as a secondary uh, playmaker. I thought that was that was really good in the uh, preseason as well. Um, but I'll, also, you have to know if the Cavs are only going to go, you know, 10 deep, 11 deep into the rotation, where does Imani fit? You know, where Isaac Okoro is in a prove-it contract year, you have Max Struess, who's starting at the small forward. Where does that leave Amani? You're not going to play him at the four. Maybe you play him some <laughs> at the two, but you already have Ty Jerome and Karis Levert that's there, right? And and again, that's no slight to what Amani can do, but he's on a two-way contract. So I think the team thought to themselves, okay, let's get him in an environment with the charge with Mike Garrity, who he won a summer league championship with, with, with Booby Gibson, who's already become very close to him um, and have him play, have him play with Craig Porter Jr. And Isaiah Mobley, who he also won the summer league championship with, right. Um, get some confidence, some more confidence, I should say at that level. And then once he is ready to blossom and he's ready for these, these reps at the big club, then sure. But with that said, He's going to be with the team this year. J.B. Bickerstaff talked about how important it was to have uh, Amani around a lot of these veterans and with these coaches that have been there, done that, and will, you know, pretty much, you know, educate, give advice, uh, feedback, whatever he needs. And also just knowing what it's like to be in an NBA locker room for the entirety of a season. And I'm interested to see how they kind of manipulate and play that game. Um, and there is limits to what, how, how long and how many games a two-way player can play. Uh, but I'm interested to see how they handle it. And Amani is a terrific talent, and I'm excited to see how he develops uh, on either level. You and me both, man. Like I, you can clearly see the offensive talent he has it, and he's actually surprised me quite a bit on the defensive end. Uh, we know that the measurables, you know, they are what they are. Uh, you know, he's still kind of rail thin, right? I mean, you would <laughs> theoretically want him to add weight, but that's going to happen over time. This is These are developmental things, uh, but purely from an offensive standpoint, you can clearly see that this this kid can, can do a lot of things early on, and I think it's going to benefit him being around the NBA club as often and as I think, possible. 
And I think something else that, that stuck out to me too about with Amani in the preseason and Amani just in general with these guys is that he's been off the ball. He hasn't had to handle it all the time. He hasn't had to have that 40% usage, right? He's able to kind of uh, drag his defender along with him. He's able to be a catch shooter. He's able to make cuts. And ha- he had a ridiculous up and under finish in Atlanta, his first game um, yeah, from yeah, the corner. Yeah. That, that was that was nasty. Uh, but that, he said that's something that he hasn't done since he was in eighth grade. He hasn't had a, a real table setter, table setting point guard since he was in middle school. <laughs> so, so he's not going to be out of position with this team. And he's going to be in a role that suits his skill set. And then the other stuff's going to come along with time. But it, I think having a comfortability to start before you get uncomfortable, that's a good thing. Yeah, like the high usage rate, we know what it was at Eastern Michigan and at Memphis beforehand. So I was very curious to see what he looked like in more of an off-ball role because I always said if he's going to carve out a role early on in his career on such like a stacked roster, it's going to be based upon his catch-and-shoot abilities mm-hmm. and really, frankly, his, just his ability to to shoot. Uh, we know that he has it within himself to create, which is great. You're going to be able to use that hopefully in the future. Um, where do you project him ultimately position wise? Because right now there's a lot with his size, obviously I believe he's listed at about six, eight, 170 plus. Um, you don't want to play in the four, like he said before. Um, and he may never be that, uh, but he has the skill set to be a big ass two, uh, maybe a three, <laughs> but that's ultimately where I see him at, at the three, where do you project him at positionally? Yeah, I see him as a three as well. Um, you could do lineups, uh, you know, where you put him at the two. Uh, I, you know that JB does not like positions. Um, but yeah, you could totally see him as a as a as a two guard or or a small forward. I think those are probably the best fits for him uh, currently. And I mean, you can make all kinds of different combinations and whatnot with this current iteration of the roster. You know, like. I'd be interested to see him in a lineup with Max Struess, right? Like I'd be interested to see him in a lineup um, with Niang, uh, you know, like you could go Donovan, Darius, Amani in some points. Uh, but again, I don't know how much we're going to see of that this year. <laughs> uh, but, but just thinking ahead that, you know, that kind of stuff comes to mind, I would say. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I think, it's probably we're not going to see a ton of minutes for him in meaningful games this season, in my opinion, outside of the occasional spot inclusion into the rotation due to health concerns. And to me, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, I feel like for a lot of fans, there's this negative connotation associated with going down to the G League when it's meant for development. Right. And, you know, it's not necessarily a farm system like the MLB has, right? Where it's like true, true development. But it is a good way to get guys real minutes to work on their games. And I feel like for Amani, that's no different. But Amani is not the only rookie that that actually looks uh like they might have a real future with Cleveland. Uh Craig Porter Jr., can you talk to me a little bit about uh what you've seen from him this offseason? Have you been impressed with him? Have you been disappointed? How are you feeling about Craig? Cool is the other side of the pillow, man. He is, <laughs> he is, he is smooth. He is just smooth, under control. Um, it's really funny. He's <laughs> he's actually older than Darius Garland, believe it or not. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. he, he is a rookie, though. Uh, but no, Craig, he just he just plays 
under control. He plays at his own pace and he doesn't get sped up, man. And he's somebody who really understands what's going out on the floor. It's a good awareness and instinct, I think, is a good way to put it. Um, I think what they love about him, and, and he's told me this, is he's always been a role player. And he knows that he's going to be a role player early in his career. So he's willing to do whatever, right? The name of the one, neither of the two. Uh, you need him to go out and get an offensive rebound. You need him to go out and throw an alley-oop. You need him to go out and shoot a three. You need him to go out and get a block because he led his school in blocks per game. at That's one. insane at his <laughs> size. Two? You just don't yeah. see that, man. You don't. You don't. You really don't. He just has a knack for heady winning plays. And, uh, you know, of course, you got the... <laughs> You got the sarcastic people, uh, you know, in the in the mentions in the I think it was the magic game where he threw the entry pass at the end of the game and they lost after the comeback. Blah, 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 blah. It was like, OK, man, like just go watch some film and and get back to me because he not not only does he have that, but he also has that that burst and athleticism that that you he, he lulls you to sleep. And then once he gets you asleep he makes sure that you stay asleep because he just bolts to the rim. And I think he has a dunk in every single preseason game that he's played so far. Um, so he just, he's, it's, it's, it's weird to say, but like, even, you know, at that size, he is a Swiss army knife, man. He can kind of do it all. And you're not going to get his production measured in numbers either. He is just going to go out there and make winning plays. And I, I think just like Amani, when you get those reps in the G league and, you organically come up. He's going to end up being a longtime pro. It, it just looks like it, um, just the way he plays and how he's able to to find the weaknesses of it, his opponent and and know the, know the next play that's coming before somebody else does. Yeah, I've been very, very impressed with him. I know we got to see both him and Amani really put on big-time displays at Summer League, but that's a whole different environment when you're playing against guys who are fighting just to make – uh, to make a roster versus mm-hmm. actual reserves. And we know that we didn't get to see them play against starters, but I feel like the things that you've seen out of both of them really can translate to the next level. Obviously, I'll tell you what, go get some charge tickets, people. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> go get some charge. You got Isaiah Mobley down there too. And and here's the thing too, Mac, before – sorry I cut you off, but I I think when you were referencing what the G League can do, if you look at – who's earned contracts to get up to the next level. Look at Dean Wade. Dean Wade started as a two-way guy. He then got a non-guaranteed contract, and then he got a three-year deal. Real big boy deal. Sam Merrill, number one pick in the G League draft after being the 60th pick in the actual draft a couple years before. Played through the G League this year with the Cavs. Ends up getting a contract in March. It's just how these things work. And eventually, yeah, you probably want to see Craig Porter Jr. and Imani Bates get to that next level, get to that next main roster contract. But it's all timing. It's all timing. Uh, it, yeah, especially when you're talking about the players in line ahead of him, which I don't feel like people take into consideration enough. Is It's not just whether or not a guy is good enough to play at the next level. It's about whether or not there's a place for them to do that just yet and how contracts Numbers game. align. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously the, the Cavs are – 
stacked, frankly, at guard right now. And you're talking about Darius, Donovan, Karras going to give you some minutes there. Uh, Isaac is going to give you some minutes at two. Ty Jerome is there. We still don't know what's going on with Ricky. By the way, <laughs> have we heard anything on Ricky? What is going on with the – is he? Is there in, been any news on that front? No news. Uh, just hoping that everything's okay with him. I know it's a, a mental health and personal issue. So just sending the best uh, that, that I can to Ricky. And he is holding a roster spot. We know that. Um, but, yeah, the first and foremost, I know the organization is is sending all of its best and uh, is, is concerned for what – well, what's best for Ricky and hopefully everything's okay on his end. Yeah. I'm just, I'm hoping that we have an answer sooner or later, but I, I understand, mm-hmm. you know, you have to take these things very seriously with him, but just goes to show like the amount of guard depth that the Cavs have, which mm-hmm. kind of squashes any potential Craig Porter jr. Leap up to the, uh, to the big leagues just yet, but uh, I'm, I've remained very impressed with what I've seen from him. Um, shifting gears to a name that you just brought up, Isaiah Mobley. Is there potential for him to see minutes with the with the Cavs this season, or do you think he'll be really playing the the, the most of his minutes with the Charge again? I've, I have to say I think it's mostly with the Charge just because they have Damian Jones and Tristan Thompson in the building, and you're going to see at least probably – I don't know, 18 to 20 minutes of George Niang every night. So that takes away the four and the five. Um, I would probably, yeah, expect Isaiah to play majority of his minutes with the charge. But, you know, we talk about Amani and Craig trying to get to that next contract. Isaiah is locked in on that. Um, you know, this is going to be a second year on a two-way contract. And he's been, you know, he's been around now. He's, he's done the summer league thing a couple times. He's probably got his eye on the NBA level and, understandably so he's shown up uh at the summer league he showed up in the g league playoffs and he's been playing you know at that level for a couple years now so he's going to be hungry to try to get that next deal especially because hey i was here before you guys you know like so (laughs) i'm next in line yeah i'm next in line you have to wait your turn so um that's what that's what i say with that but at summer league i thought that isaiah was really good on the block i thought he had some really nice passes uh, he showed a little bit of aggressiveness that I didn't think um, he he had had in him. Uh, he had a couple really mean dunks in summer league, um, and he, he defensively I thought that he he stood up pretty solid as a rock too. So um, you know, good on the switches and and getting the rebounds. Um, I I really hope that he does get that next contract. But again, it's a numbers game, and we'll see what happens and. It's it's tough. It's a tough it's a tough game to play, but uh, you know you just kind of have to bide your time and wait your turn. Stole the words right out of my mouth. I was literally just about to say bide your time, and that's really the case for all of these young up and comers that the Cavs have. And to me, it just makes me feel like the future is really really bright. Uh, no matter what happens with the Donovan Mitchell situation, we continue to hear rumors, and I don't even know if you want to call it. Uh, because there's no real traction, in my opinion, with any of that stuff. But the next thing that I kind of wanted to ask you about before we head out of here today is, obviously, the deadline passed for the Cavaliers to sign Isaac Okoro to a rookie-scale extension, if I'm not mistaken, uh, at 6 p.m. Eastern time yesterday. Um, How are you feeling about that, just from a fan perspective? Um, Do you feel like Cleveland and Isaac missed an opportunity to, to hammer something in place with some of these deals that have been handed out? Uh, I, I'm indifferent 
I think they really like Isaac. But here's here's where the the situation gets kind of kind of fuzzy. You already have two rookie scale uh, max extension contracts on your roster: Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. You know Evan Mobley is going to command a lot of super, money. Well, a max, yeah, a lot of money next season uh, when he gets an extension, which can only be four years. By the way, it can't be a full rookie max extension because there's already two there, and that's a provision of the NBA. You just invested a lot of money into Max Struess. You still have in, uh, money invested into Jarrett Allen. Karis LeVert just got a nice little couple-year payday. So it's just hard. It's hard to pay all that money. And I'm sure that Okoro is probably looking for a little bit more, or his representation is, I would say. Um, and this is a prove-it year for him. This is a prove-it year for him. And he's going to play a, a big role in the second unit. JB's been talking lights out about him, just the, the work ethic he's put in and what he can do on the offensive end with this new philosophy, with them moving the ball and zipping it around and that making really the right next pass. Spencer. That, that yeah, really no, because he can attack of off him. of closeouts. He can attack off of closeouts. He's a blur in transition. He can get by you. And what JB said was, you know, Isaac's ability to pass when he is attacking on the corner and it draws a couple defenders towards him is really good. Uh, and he... Just kind of has he has a nice little you know one two uh, you know euro step or or sidestep whatever you want to call it, um, so he's got game that's and and he's an incrementally improving shooter right you know thirty five thirty six percent it's a lot better than what it was the year before that and it was a lot better <laughs> before the year before that is he gonna be taking a ton per game with the new personnel the Cavs have no but he's gonna have opportunities to and I think with Isaac it's just again approve it year for him and it can be beneficial to both parties because if Isaac produces this season and does it on the offensive end more than he has uh, in his career so far, then he's going to be staring down a decent payday in the summer. And I think that's what everybody wants. Um, and the Cavs hopefully can afford him because he'll be a restricted free agent. So they'll be able to match any offer he gets, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's going to be going to be uh, curious to see how, how Isaac responds, but in a faster offense and in a faster environment, I think he can thrive. I do too. And, you know, we, we know that he has some latent skills as a, as a facilitator playmaker. Um, obviously the Cavs are not in the position to, to, to uh, bring that out in him because they don't need it. They don't really need mm-hmm. him to do a, a ton offensively. Make Which is nice for him, I think. Yes. Yeah. It's yes. nice for him because, you know, you hear fifth overall pick. Oh, why isn't he doing this? Why is he doing that? It's because he's never meant for that role. Right. So like now you take a little bit of the pressure off a little bit of the load off and you know where your minutes are coming from. The, the rotation's going to be in a set way, you know, fingers crossed, no injuries that happen. And you know exactly what you need to do to help the team win. And that helps a lot of guys. Yeah. He looks for, for the first time in maybe his career, he has a solidified role. He knows what it's going to, what's going to happen heading into the season uh, barring injury and whatnot, and he knows what's expected, and he doesn't have the pressure like he had in previous seasons to space the floor as frequently as the team may have needed him to in the past. He can just work on uh, getting out in transition. He can work on finding cutting lanes. He can attack closeouts and knock down that three ball, hopefully, with a little bit more volume, but that's really the lone thing with me that I'm kind of up in the air with in regards to him is just how many shot attempts is he going to be given to be able to do that because we know that adding Niang in that second unit you're going to want him to take a lot 
of those shots. Uh, Isaac will be left open undoubtedly. And until he proves that he can do that at a consistent, uh, at a consistent pace and volume, defenses will continue to not respect him. But I really honestly feel, man, I I think this is his year. It's not going to be like some massive breakout. Like we saw with Colin Sexton in year three or Darius Garland really in year two. Right. Uh, but I do feel like there's enough there from an impact standpoint for him to be able to give the most impactful season of his career. And I, if anything, I hope that he has a great year, but not too great so that, you know, teams are coming calling for him <laughs> and giving him massive offer sheets, um, however unlikely that may be. But I just, I hope that it works out and they're able to get a deal done next offseason that works for both sides. And difference too for me t- is is with Okoro. You know how teams would sag off of him last year, right? And it was it was disrespectful, but it was also like, hey, beat us. Calculated right? risk. And yeah, calculated risk. They're not they're not going to be able to disrespect George Niang, who's going to be on the floor with them. They're not going to be able to disrespect Ty Jerome, who's going to be on the floor with them. Uh, even Karras, who's coming off of his best three point catch shoot yeah. uh, season of his career, they're not going to be able to disrespect that. So if they're shading more towards him, that means Isaac, he's going to have that baseline to work with, man. He's going to have the baseline to work with. And who knows what comes from that? Because he's, he's aggressive as hell and he is tough minded and he is just strong. So yeah, looking forward to seeing what he can do with that second unit. Uh, likewise, man. With that said, thank you again for joining the show. I feel like I learned something new every time you're on. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, man. I didn't know if I was teaching. I'm just shooting the breeze. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do. I do honestly feel like I learned something new every time I have you on. But uh, you guys can check out Spencer's work with Cavs Insider. They they have been producing stuff very frequently, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> we got the videos going up on our YouTube channel, Cavs Insider, uh, CavsInsider.com. Um, I will also be doing a mailbag every day. Yes, every day. So please send in those. Uh, tweets or email me at spindavies22 at gmail.com um, every day. So I'll pick the best ones and uh, respond to you in hopefully uh, an easy amount of time and the amount of time that you want. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, just doing a couple of those and um, doing a lot on video and on camera now. And it's been, it's been a fun start to the, to the preseason and I'm excited to get things rolling where they actually count. You heard the man, he's busy. <laughs> he's got a lot going on right now. Make sure you fill out uh and, and submit to that mailbag that every day that's a lot man we're gonna try it we're gonna try it yeah we'll see man we'll see um that said if you guys would like to reach out to us you know how you can it's cavalier underscore pod on twitter tiktok instagram youtube more if you'd like to be added to the exclusive it's cavalier discord chat you know what to do leave a rating leave a review send a screenshot to set review to it's cavalier 53 at gmail.com and i will personally send you the invite that said go Cavs. <laughs>